With you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz with you talking the world of Hawkeye athletics. And not a great place to be right now as Iowa falls flat on their face once again. A late season collapse from the Iowa Hawkeyes. I guess it didn't happen in February. Maybe that makes it better. Biz, here we are. Another late season fade under Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, well, and you called it a collapse first and then, and then a fade. I think collapse is probably the... Uh, more appropriate word after uh, what's happened the last three games. You know, the, the last time you and I spoke, we were uh, had the ode to Nick Bear and talking about uh, what a wonderful career the guy had had and how we thought they would go out on top on senior day and, and give him a W against Rutgers. And uh, things haven't uh, exactly played out that way uh, since we last spoke. Uh, not a pretty uh, last three ball games. You, you know things have been bad when you have a uh, an all-time collapse against Nebraska, and at the end of the game, you, you actually come away feeling slightly better about the team because they at least were uh, competitive and, and, and played hard and, and did some good things. So you know, that's the first sign that things are not good when you, when you have an all-time collapse and uh, – that's that's actually a positive for your team because at least you were you, at least you were in a position to win. You didn't get blown out. Yes, uh, that that is the positive. I, I guess that's a good way to look at it. the The Nebraska game, it's so difficult to wrap your mind around, and the fashion that they lost sixteen points in the final fifty seconds, and it wasn't that part. You know, we mentioned maybe the difference between a fade and a collapse. It really wasn't a collapse. Iowa made free throws during that stretch. What they make seven out eight. There are a couple of turnovers, but it wasn't an absolute meltdown. This wasn't like what we saw out of you and I in the NCAA tournament against Texas A and M. You know, a few years get back where that was just a gag job. They, they that really wasn't the case here. Nebraska was hitting ridiculous shots with defenders in their face. Iowa made free throws. It just I, I, it's maybe a loser's mentality. But sometimes you just got to throw up your hands and say they got us. It's not going to happen often. It's maybe not going to happen something like that again in our lifetime, but it happened to Iowa in that spot. Well, we after the Northwestern game, we talked about that I think was eight different things had to go perfect for Iowa to win. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure if you go back through from a Nebraska perspective, you could probably say the exact same thing here, that eight things probably had to go perfect for Nebraska to win, and, and they did. So uh, to me, the, the biggest frustrating part of that is not so much that we lost, because in the end, that game meant next to nothing. I mean, we're still the same seed in the Big Ten. We, we basically have the same. Actually, I think we went up a little bit in the net rankings, even though we lost. Um, but to me, you look back at that last 50 seconds, I thought there was just a string of just absolutely horrible coaching decisions that if if we change any of these, I think we win the game. It starts with, we make free throws 50 seconds to go up by nine, and for whatever inexplicable reason, we start pressing. I, I don't get it. We, we decided to speed the game up for them. We were not only three-quarter court pressing, we were full-court pressing. And we're not an athletic enough team to keep everybody in front of us. So what it resulted in was transition three-pointers where they were able to pull up and transition 
and get a better look than if we'd just got gotten back on defense and forced them to make two or three passes. So it's something I haven't heard anybody talk about, but I don't get it. You're up nine with 50 seconds to go. Why are you pressing and speeding the game up for them? Really good point. And, you know, looking back, it's something that didn't even cross my mind. I, Yeah, get back, play defense, make them use clock, but that one quicken them. No, it's a really good point, Biz, and something that well, during it, I, I guess it didn't even occur to me. Well, along those same lines, uh, why in the world? I mean, we made some subbing decisions that I thought were just head-scratching. Um, we sub in, we have a small lineup in, and I understand it. We're trying to defend people. But with 20 seconds to go and Connor McCaffrey gets fouled, it's a one-point game. For whatever reason, Fran decides, let's leave Macy, Jabo, Connor, Moss, and Bayer on the field. So we have no post defenders, none whatsoever, not a one. I can understand maybe leaving one of the two, Cook or Garza, because at that point they're both still in the game, neither had fouled out. Instead, you leave five guys that are no taller than 6'6", so that when Connor misses his free throw, what happened? Palmer is able to go pretty much uncontested coast to coast and get a, uh, a layup that you or I could make. I just don't get it. With 20 seconds to go, and McCaffrey at the free throw line, why wouldn't you switch into at least one post player thinking that, you know, let's force them to shoot a three-pointer and not let them get the easy bucket? And then, after they make the bucket, there's still eight, nine seconds to go. You've got a horrible offensive lineup on the floor at that point. You've got Macy and Connor on the floor. Call timeout. Mm-hmm. You've been abusing them through the post all day. Call timeout. You've got six, six, seven seconds left. Get your post back in the game. Get... Cook and Garza back in and run an actual play. I just, we basically just accepted the fact that, okay, if they score with eight seconds to go, we'll just go to overtime. I just, I don't get it. We didn't even, I mean, Jabo didn't know what to do. He kind of dribbled around and then threw up a shot that got tipped and didn't even get close. I mean, it's almost like we just quit playing with, with eight seconds to go and decided let's just go to overtime and take our chances. So, I don't get why we were pressing. I don't get some of the subbing. I also don't get why in the world we continued to have Jay Bogart Watson. They had a, a random walk-on named Johnny Trueblood on the floor, and we had Isaiah Moss guarding him. If you put a six-foot-six guy on Watson, you force him to shoot over the top, you know, you go back and look, three of the four three-pointers, yes, they were contested, but they were contested by Jay I mean, it's a lot easier to shoot over a six-foot guy than it is a six-foot-six guy. So I just don't get it. There were some coaching decisions down the stretch that I agree with you that sometimes you just throw your hands up and say the other team made some miraculous shots, but we helped them along the way more than we should have. You know, uh, the end of regulation was one that, that did drive me absolutely crazy. Is I believe they had a timeout. Correct me if I'm we wrong. Did? Yeah, yeah. There was... There was a timeout there. As soon as J-Bo even crossed half court, you saw it was muddled. And for the first time ever now, we're un- enduring some construction at my house, so uh, we don't have the, the same dual TV setup that we normally do. So Ella was down with me in the man cave watching the game, and for the first time ever, I scared the crap out of her because as he's fumbling the ball up top, I scream, call timeout! And she jumped. But that aside, it's very simple. I mean, can't Fran see that? Can't you see... This isn't going to go well. I know you want to get J-Bo a shot. I know he has made those shots, but when things start to go awry, you got one in your back pocket, you could have called something up your pass half court with 
four, four and a half seconds left and easily drawn up a play to find somebody. I, the end of regulation, I did like the play they draw up. Again, that's Nebraska. Kid made a play. He blocked the shot, but I like the motion that they had on that one. Still, end of regulation, use your timeout, Fran. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, again, there were some coaching decisions in there that just absolutely baffled me. And, again, we've talked about it in the past. I should stop being frustrated by those because we all know he's not going to call timeouts in those situations. And, you know, he wasn't going to call a timeout in the end of overtime either. But then, uh, again, they got bailed out by, a, uh, you know, the, the, there being a tipped ball and they had to use a timeout or they had to go to the, the monitor and that was – he used that instead of a timeout. So it's the same thing over and over. So why I continue to uh, expect a different result, I don't know. So four consecutive losses to end the regular season. This team hasn't played good basketball now in a month and a half. I think you really have to go back to the Michigan game on February 1st, the last time it felt like they played a complete game. How did we get here? How, how did this team, where earlier this season we were talking about mental toughness, this team, they seem different. How did it fall apart once again? Yeah, I mean, there are three somewhat miraculous or two definitely miraculous wins and one unlikely win against Indiana away from being 0-8 in the last eight games, Trent. I mean, the collapse could have been a whole lot worse. And, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons. But to me, the number one reason for the collapse, especially the last four games, it's just been an inability to shoot the ball. I mean, when you can't shoot and you're not the most, you know, as we know, two things with Fran's teams. One, we're never going to be the most athletic teams in the Big Ten. And two, we're never going to be the best defensive team. So if, you, if, you, if you're not the most athletic and you're not unbelievably good defensively, you better be able to shoot. And you saw what happened. I mean, that, that stretch of Ohio State, Rutgers, Wisconsin, I mean, just brutal shooting the basketball and you know fortunately that's why i said i've at least got some hope after the nebraska game because at least we showed we showed some heart even in overtime i mean we could easily came out and just been blown out in overtime but we 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 showed some heart in overtime and so you know i'm not ready to just throw in the towel on this team i I think you know things set up for them okay in the big 10 tournament and as you'll see in a little bit we're going to exercise the demons trent and, and turn things back around the brackets couldn't set up any better than they did for Iowa. You get a team in Illinois or Northwestern that is for the Illini lost five out of six. Northwestern eleven out of twelve coming into the Big Ten tournament. The other teams, Rutgers. I don't think you want to see that Rutgers team again. Indiana, Penn State, Penn State seven and three down the stretch themselves in the back half of Big Ten play. These are the two teams you want to see kind of matched up in your bracket. So Iowa got the right draw at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I think Illinois had a little spurt for about two weeks where they were a good basketball team, but they've been terrible lately. And, and Northwestern is is the 14th seed for a reason. So, um, you know, you go back through one last thing on the collapse trip before we before we officially bury it. If you ignore the Wisconsin game, have you looked at how unbelievably bad the other three teams we lost to have been over the last three weeks? Yeah, it's I mean, it's ugly. You, right, Rutgers, Ohio State, Nebraska, since February 20th, so pushing four weeks now, the three of them combined are 1-11 with an average loss of 15 or more. Rutgers has lost two games by 15 or more. Ohio State got blown out by 35-18 and 18 in back-to-back games. Nebraska got beat by more than 20 in, in 
in two of their games. I mean, not only are we losing, but we're le- losing to teams that, other than the games against us, have been truly awful. So, uh, not a lot of good news to look at going forward other than the draw that we got. So we need to take advantage of that draw and get some confidence going forward over the next couple of games. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> yeah. So, But, again, the draw couldn't set up any better because you talked about Illinois and Northwestern, but obviously if you had to pick a team out of the top four, I think we would clearly say Michigan's the one that we match up the best with out of the, uh, the double-bye teams as well. So... So let's get to it, Trent. We're, we're going to get to Saturday. We're going to exercise the demons and get to Saturday for the first time in, in 13 years. Well, it, it, it's ridiculous. Chad Lysakow, the Des Moines Register yesterday, had a piece. Iowa hasn't even made the quarterfinals in six years. The quarterfinals, the top eight. And what, for a portion of that, was a 12-team conference. That's unthinkable. They Last year, they beat Illinois in the 12-13 game, then got beat by Michigan. The three, uh, four previous years, they lost as single-digit and big favorites in every one of those games to teams' double-digit seeds in the Big Ten tournament. Nobody's done that. Rutgers has at least made a quarterfinals. Everybody has made a quarterfinals except the Hawkeyes. We're not even talking about getting to Saturday, but let's get there. If we're going to do it, let's do it. Well, I think in every year except for one of those years, you know, of the last 13 years, Wisconsin has, has gotten a bye to the quarterfinals, I believe, in all of them. They've gotten the top four in, what, every year except for last year, haven't they? That's Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because they finished top four every year. Yeah, so, I mean, they've gotten there without playing a basketball game, which uh, <laughs> that tells you just how uh, how far off we are from Wisconsin over the past 13 years. That's pretty scary. So, so yeah, so uh, looking at the Big Ten tourney, I gave Statboy the assignment of uh, let, let's break down Fran's history at the tourney, and let's uh, exercise the demons. We, we had him do that for the road Big Ten losses earlier this year, and it worked out. They won the next Big Ten game. So uh, let, let's exercise the demons. You ready to get in the time machine and, uh, and get to it? Some memories, some good, some bad, I'm sure, in here. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's oh, get not, rid of the funk. Not a lot of good. So, okay, uh, mostly bad. Let's get rid of the funk. So, so yeah, so... So Statboy sent me some, some just general information first, and a few of the things, uh, because we had to delay doing this, his thunder's been stolen a little bit by, uh, you mentioned Chad Leistikow, but uh, as you said, we, first of all, we have not been, we have not played on Saturday in the Big Ten tournament in 13 years. Think about that, Trent. The last time we played on the weekend, my oldest son was, was just learning to walk. It was March of 2016, uh, just trying to walk. Now, uh, 13 years later, he's, he's driving a vehicle. So uh, <laughs> that, that tells you just how long it's been since we played on a Saturday. In that same 13 years, Stat Boy dug up, the Spartans have made it nine times, Wisconsin and Ohio State seven times, Michigan and Purdue six times. Hell, even Illinois has made it four times and Minnesota three times. So, uh it's not pretty. And like you said, haven't been to the quarters in five years, and it, it, it's time to uh, it's time to turn that around. It, it wouldn't take a, a miraculous run by any means. It would take beating an uh, inferior opponent and uh, knocking off a Michigan team that we've already beat earlier this year to, to get to Saturday. So uh, it's not an impossible task. So, But in order to do it, let, let, let's look at Fran's eight years of a uh, 
futility and, and, and exercise the demons. You ready? You ready to dig in? So we're going back to what? 2011 was year 2010. 2011 season was year one for Fran. Is that right? Correct. In the first two years, you can kind of jumble them together. 2011 and 2012. Um, we actually won a game one of those two years, but. Those two years, obviously, we're, we're still building the program. 2011 year, we're the 10 seed. We lose to a number seven Michigan State. 2012, we're the eight seed. We beat number nine Illinois, uh, and then turn around and lose to, to number one seed at Michigan State. So those two years, I don't think anybody looks at it and, and, and complains and says that we underachieved. We, we, we did what we were expected to do. But then you get into 2013. That was the year that I think most people uh, – remember the most, because that was the year where a six seed, we, we take care of business and beat number 11 Northwestern. Then we have the uh, the Teddy Valentine game against ah, Michigan State. I remember so, it well. We were in the building for that one. Did you make it? You weren't in Chicago that year, were you? No, I was actually uh, heading on spring break the day after, so I couldn't make it. But uh, in hindsight, I guess I'm happy I wasn't there, given how frustrating the end was. So up 12 with eight minutes to go. They go on a 22 to two run. The amazing thing about that 22 to two run, during that whole run, we only took a total of seven shots. They took 15. So uh, whether it was turnovers, whether it was officiating, a little of both, uh, I think the fact that Teddy Valentine didn't do a game for what five years afterwards uh, shows you that the officiating certainly played a role in that game. So, but through three years, the first three years of Fran's tenure, I think you can say that we did. We did what we were supposed to do in the tournament. We, we were competitive. We beat the teams we were uh, supposed to, and we lost to Michigan State three years in a row, which uh, is nothing to, to be ashamed about. But then, then things switched, and you look at the next four years. Uh, yikes! So, you ready to look at four years of absolute embarrassment? Uh, I've looked at them recently, but uh, I guess I'll relive it again to get rid of these awful, awful memories. Well, we'll go through them quick because the one thing you find out. Um, of all four, Trent, is, is it's really, really hard to win games when you can't shoot. Mm. Um, just absolutely horrible shooting performances over those four years. 2014, we're the sixth seed. We end up playing number 11, Northwestern. We shoot 32%, including a combined 0 of 15 from Mike Cassell and Josh Oglesby. When you're a... Uh, Two of your better shooters go for 15. It's hard to beat anybody, and we uh, we showed it. So, lost to Northwestern. Joshy uh, didn't play well, huh? huh? No, well, he went over for 5. Guess that went over for 10. Ooh. So, uh, not not a good combination. So, that's the first of the four. The second one, even worse, because the 2015 team was a team that came in on a high note. Yeah. We won six in a row. Aaron White got put all, the team on his back. Yep, got all the way up to the 5 seed. We were actually tied for the 4 seed, but uh, due to tiebreaker, we had to play the uh, – the extra game, and, and we lose to number 13 seed Penn State. And uh, even worse shooting that year, we shot 26%. So, uh, again, you can't make more than more than a 30 shots. You're not going to beat anybody. So then we go to 2016, um, another five seed, and we lost to number 12 seed Illinois. That Illinois team was 14-18. and 18. Uh, Utah and Jock did everything they could. They went 19 for 32. You want to guess what the rest of our team shot? Well, they went 19 of 32. The rest probably went, I don't know, 4 for 30? 5 for 30. Great guess. Wow. 5 for 30 is the rest of the team. So 
combined for 39% as a team, and again, you shoot under 40%, it's hard to win. So there's three of them. Uh, the last one, um, the one year that we actually shot decent was we were the seventh seed. We played the number 10 seed, Indiana. We shot 44%, but on the flip side, we gave up 95 and, and sh- they shot 61%. So uh, three of them you can blame on lack of shooting. The last one you can blame on lack of defense. But uh, four brutal losses. When you combine them together, four straight losses, the, com- the opponents that we lost to had a combined record going into those games of 60 and 65. So not pretty. We were, we were the... Uh, Favorite team in all four games. We were the five, five, six, and seven seed. And not only did we lose all four of them, only one of them, only the Illinois game was even moderately close. The rest of them were uh, at least seven point losses. Ugly. Not just losing, yeah. losing to bad teams and losing in ugly fashion. What a combination. But, but this is an exorcism, Trent. You, you got you got to purge to get the exorcism done. So. Last year, like as everybody knows, we did finally win a game, and we uh, we were competitive against uh, a good Michigan team. Um, but we lost to Michigan, which puts us 0-5 all-time against Michigan in the Big Ten tourney. So uh, that's going to be part of our exorcism as well. So we need to beat Northwestern or Illinois, uh, and then we need to, uh, to beat Michigan. And there you are, Trent. We get to Saturday for the first time since uh, Bodie was in diapers. Five of six losses for Illinois, 11 of 12, as mentioned, for Northwestern. You'd rather see the Wildcats, I would guess, but I don't know. There, there's something about that Northwestern team. Uh, they, they make me more concerned than Illinois. Am I, am I crazy? Well, Illinois has been horrible the last couple of weeks, yeah. but uh, it, it's hard because the one time we saw Illinois was probably the best game Iowa played all year. Yes. I mean, that was the yep. game where we just shot lights out. We were up 30 and, and coasted in. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to get probably a better effort for Northwestern. I think they're probably a, a little more locked in. I think Illinois kind of packed it in a couple weeks ago. So, I don't know. Of the two, I think I'd rather say Northwestern, but I don't really care. Whoever it is, Northwestern, Illinois, if you have any hope to turn in this season around, you got to win that one um, at the very least. Michigan, Iowa matches up well. We talked about that early on. So let's do it. Let, let's see this Iowa team actually play well in the tournament, do something good. I got my fingers crossed at the very least. you, you have any confidence of that at all, Trent? No, I mean, none. We, we, Zero. We've, uh, we've talked a good game. We've made it sound like it's a possibility. But uh, realistically, uh, what, what, what's your, what, what percentage do you give the Hawks of actually playing on the weekend? A playing on Saturday? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Two percent. Play this 2%? thing. Two percent. Play play this wow, thing that, fifty that, times. That, they might do it once. I mean, you got to figure what we're probably sixty percent chance of winning the the Thursday game, and you got to give us at least a what twenty percent chance of beating Michigan. I would think. I don't so. think twenty percent. Ten maybe. A, I give them less than a fifty percent chance of actually winning the game against Iowa Northwestern the way they're playing and the demons that they have to exercise and then beating Michigan after that, I think 2%'s right. I don't know. I'll have to call Ken Palm. I'll see what his numbers come you, up with. You're obviously not taking into account, Trent, that this team is now off Twitter. Oh, yes. You've got to put that in your calculations. They have, they have blocked out the, uh, the outside influences, Trent. They're, they're, they're locked in. That's got to at least bump it to 3 to 4%, I think. 4%. 4%. Play the thing 25 times. It happens once. 
So, you, so you're saying there's a chance, Trent. But that's all we need. Not a good one. Not a good one. Biz, the concern is if they do drop the game against the Illini or the Wildcats, that this team will be on the outside looking in the NCAA tournament or will get shipped off to Dayton again for the opening rounds. Your concern, does does that linger in the back of your mind at all? Not at all. I, I You look at the, the bubble, and I don't think we're even near the bubble. I, I think even if we lose the Illinois Northwestern game, I think that probably drops us to a 10 seed at worst. I just You look at the teams that are battling for the – the last four or five spots, we're, we have a better resume than them in every way. So should we be on the bubble? Probably. I mean, should we be thinking about a Dayton game? Maybe. I mean, you lose five in a row down the stretch to, to really bad teams, you probably should be on the bubble. But I don't think we are. I think all of the uh, whatever you want to call them, the matrix and, or metrics and all those things are favorable for us, and I think we just have better resumes than than the majority of teams around the bubble. So... Worst case scenario, I see us fall into a, a ten seed or, or maybe potentially an eleven, even if we lose that first game. That that's still where I am, and I guess the good news, though, I still maintain the year they were shipped to Dayton, they shouldn't have been. That resume as a whole should not have been in what were they eleven seed that year playing Tennessee, because the metric of last ten games or last twelve games that the NCAA used for a very long time hasn't been a metric for like eight years. That that has not been something that the committee is supposed to look at. But it is also humans making these decisions. And to think that it doesn't play in to the minds, at least at some level, I think is a little bit silly. It does have to do it. I think with a loss, they're still going to be in. The resume is still going to be good enough compared to these other bubble teams. I mean, you look around, you look at a team like St. John's, Temple, Creighton, Georgetown, TCU. Iowa's resume is considerably better than these teams. These teams that are all in most brackets right now. So unless you get carnage, unless you get you know a bunch of goofiness that happens, you get somebody coming out of nowhere to win the Pac-12, and the Mountain West is won by somebody other than Utah State or Nevada, and on and on and on. I mean, if there's a ton of dominoes that fall, okay, maybe. But that is such a huge stretch to believe that that's all going to happen. Iowa will be in the tournament even with the loss tomorrow. Well, and in a weird, convoluted way, Losing the first game in the Big Ten might be our best chance at getting to the Sweet 16. Because, as as Stat Boy joked about, I think four or five games ago, if you lose out, you know you, you may get that 11 seed, and, and you're avoiding, you know, the one and two seeds uh, uh, in the round of 32. I mean, even if we beat Michigan, and even if we probably make a run to the final, I don't see us getting above an eight seed. And if we find a way to win that first game. You're going up against a number one, which you know. You want to I see this all, Iowa team against Virginia? Enough to know that <laughs> there's no chance we're beating Virginia, Gonzaga, you know, Duke, North Carolina, any of those uh, number one teams. Right. So, in a weird, convoluted way, uh, losing five in a row might be our best opportunity to actually uh, backdoor our way into the uh, Sweet 16. Well, and at, I, least that, at least that's what I keep telling myself. It, it's a good way to go. You know, and throughout history, Iowa hasn't had a bracket open up. You know, they haven't had a year where the two-seed gets upended by a 15 when they're in the 7-10 game. Or, well, it's only happened once, obviously, a 16 going down. But in that sense, now it happened for Iowa the year they lost to Tennessee. The three-seed that year, Duke got beat by Mercer, and there was a path, but... A bracket can open up. Crazy things can happen. It can happen. I think you're right. I would much rather, as long as it doesn't mean going to Dayton, but 
just a single 11 seed playing a six right away, I would rather have that in over any 10 seed out there right now. And the difference in the drop-off you know, between those top eight teams really in the country and everybody else I think is pretty precipitous. You're talking three seeds like Houston, Kansas State, Florida State, even LSU that is probably not going to have their coach. Much rather see those kind of teams than the ones that you mentioned. Good, good use of the word precipitous, Trent. That, that, that's the type of words they uh, teach you at your new job, huh? That's right. KXNO, the, the brand, and uh, I have meetings every morning learning new words. They give, they give you a thesaurus, and you, you get to look through it in the morning? I try. I try my best. I'm impressed. Those are words you did not learn at uh, Osage Community High School, that's for sure. Very, very true. All right, before we get out of here, Biz, ready for another edition of Biz's Beat? I am. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. (laughs) Biz's Beat is a a repeat of about a month ago, Trent. Uh, (laughs) At this point, uh, it's... it bears repeating just how unbelievable the Iowa women's basketball team is. So uh, tip of the ball cap to the Iowa women. Um, not often in Hawkeye country do we get to celebrate uh, Big Ten titles. It just doesn't happen very often uh, in any sport anymore. Uh, so when it happens, and not only does it happen, but it happens where uh, a team dominates a game against a top-ten team, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. So The one thing I've noticed, Trent, is I have not, you bring your daughter to Iowa City for a, a single game this year. So you hopefully have two more opportunities to uh, to rectify that in the next two weeks. So uh, you want me to, me and Statboy to go ahead and purchase two extra tickets for you and Ella? Oh, well, uh, Ella is getting into the hoops. She's been using her basket more and more. She knows, well, she thinks she knows how to dribble, so we're, we're gating it. I think that'd be I'll a great way. Yes, I, I think so. Probably not on the weekend of the first round game, but what do they play? Do they go Saturday through Tuesday now, or are they now Friday through Monday? How does that work? I don't remember the women's setup. Do you? I think it's Friday through Monday. I think they're just a day behind. So I think okay. I think they go Friday. The no, first game will be Friday or Saturday. Second game will be Sunday, Monday. If it's uh, if it's the Monday, maybe we could pull that off. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if we can we can make that work. You can pick up uh, beef kids and goats. <laughs> bring, a, bring a whole carload of uh, daughters over to the game, Trent. Could be fun. Could be fun. I'm, I'm bringing up the dates right now as we're speaking just to make sure. Selection shows Monday. Yep, you're right. Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, Monday. Let's hope they get that Sunday, Monday. And March 25th, Ellen and I will make the trek eastward. For the, the last time you'll ever get to see the, uh, the greatest women's Iowa basketball player in her home court ever. Boy, is she good. And, and uh, how about our friend Big Red? Cutting down a piece of the net. Oh, and, and numerous, numerous uh, references. She, not only was she uh, get some major screen time during the game, she also got, got called out. The, uh, the sideline reporter uh, quoted her as, uh, during the game as well. So uh, she's, uh, like you, she's working her way up to uh, regional celebrity status, at least, Trent. That's good to see. Always good to see. All right, Biz. Well, we will talk next week, and we will have – Hopefully an NCAA tournament bracket with Iowa's name on it. If not, I guess it's NIT breakdown next week. Good guy, but that'd be depressing. So, uh, all right, well, go Hawks, Trent. Let's hope we're talking about at least one and maybe even two wins by the time we get back together next week. Go Hawks.